Uh, I realized that this movie came out in 2015, which is three years ago, and I have only seen it once before. I, I might have actually watched it a second time when it came out to DVD. I'm not sure. But I can't believe that it's been three years since this came out, because I can remember vividly seeing this in the theaters. Yeah. In case some of you might not have guessed from what Leah just said, we're doing a switcheroo episode today where it's one where I haven't seen it and Lita has for a change. And I, for one, am deeply uncomfortable for not knowing anything. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Why Haven't You Watched That? Shame Jackie edition. Shame. 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 I wish I had a bell. (laughs) (laughs) And also, in case you didn't guess, we have a guest on again today. It's Matt Delhauer again. Who didn't realize we were recording, so I was just talking with my mouth full. (laughs) That's fine. <laughs> Way to go. Way to go, man. That's how I live my life. It's fine. <laughs> oh. I'm Lita. I'm Jackie. And as we said, this is why haven't you watched this? That. This. Shame Jackie edition. <laughs> Everything's flipped. What is the name of your podcast? <laughs> First impression, Jackie, what did you think? All right. Um, I wound up loving it. But the thing is, I went into this with such high expectations that, like, um, during, like, most of the first half, I was like, this is good and I appreciate it, but I'm not, like, really invested in it. I'm not, like, because I'm not really, like, an action movie kind of person. And so the fact that there was, like, so much chasing, so many, like, gunfights, I could appreciate the fact that it was, like, so well edited and, mm-hmm. like, the fact that I could follow everything that was going on was really great. But I was like, eh, I'm not really that into it. But then, like, by the last third, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Are they going to make it? Are they going to do it? <laughs> I was, like, I was like loving it. So, yeah. And uh, I'd seen, like, so many gifts of this on Tumblr. And, like, definitely my first impression of it was when the MRAs were, like, <laughs> boycotting this movie. I was like, well, oh my that God. automatically means it's good. So I should go see it. And then I never I- did. I actually didn't remember that. Yeah. Do you remember that, Matt? I do. Uh, I remember them being all upset at the, specifically the one poster in which um, Charlize Theron is firing her uh, rifle and she is using Tom Hardy as like a stand to balance on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was seen as being an emasculating uh, f- image. and As so... opposed to the rest of the movie for him. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say, apparently the fact that he gets uh, shaved, branded, tattooed, beaten up, and put in a muzzle. And then uh, chained to the it's... front of a death vehicle. But, yeah. but the thing is, it's done by other men, so it's okay. <laughs> it's then it's just gay. Yeah. It's hilarious the amount of stuff that MRAs boycott and everything. It's like, oh, who's triggered now, bitches? Yeah. Yeah. It's, But yeah, for me, that was like an automatic selling point. And for some reason, (laughs) I never never went to see in theaters, and I don't know why. And like, I really wish I had, because I was watching this, and I'm like, I'm just watching this on my dinky little laptop. I bet this is an experience when you see it in theaters. Oh, yeah, it was crazy. It was insane. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping they re-release it at some point, because I would love to see this on the big screen. It seems like something that they'd probably play at, like, an art house-type cinema, just, like, randomly, you know? Yeah, I would hope so, at least. Because, yeah, again, I was, like, watching, I'm like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) I bet all this sound design, I bet all this, like, crazy shit would be so much better. I was just like... The final chase when they've got the guys like on the pikes that are picking people out of cars and everything like that. Seeing that in a theater was unbelievable. 
Yeah, it was like after I got out, I was like, I'm going to punch something. I'm like bouncing off the walls and shit. That's what I heard from a lot of people. Like I remember reading so many posts from people being like, oh, man. And we were like driving back and we were like, yeah, we're on the Fury Road. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's a straight up hundred minute long adrenaline rush. Okay. And like. We're also going to do for a Switcheroo episode one of the Fast and the Furious or like several of them, just like <laughs> compound them. And that's how I feel after the Fast and the Furious movies. So like if you felt like that for this movie, hopefully you'll feel like that for the Fast and the Furious and have fun when you watch that. So that was the whole thing though, because I didn't feel like that towards the end. I mean, I was like very like invested in it. I was like, Yeah, they made it, but like I was also like if I had been surrounded by this, like with all of my senses, I probably would have like come out of that theater like, Yeah, let's fucking drive somewhere <laughs> in the desert yeah that's how i feel i feel like whenever i go see movies at the theater like I, when i was a kid and would go i'd leave and be like i'm gonna fucking scale the building and like running in front of my parents and stuff and they're like lita come stop you can't fight anybody stop come back <laughs> see that's i was gonna say um i recently went and saw black panther and seeing oh, yeah. little kids running out of that movie and they're like jumping around and fake fighting each other and everything was oh, i was i was that's so awesome. happy to see it yeah, I think that was something we talked about uh, when we did. We just recorded Moonlight, and a lot like, of people were fighting after Moonlight. No, <laughs> how like it's such a different experience seeing something in a cinema, and like it, like I think it is good that now like films can be much more accessible to people who like maybe don't have the time or the means to make it to the actual theaters. But like, it really is just such a different visceral experience. Than just like watching it at home either, even on like your giant TV or your laptop or your phone or any of that stuff. Yeah, it's a lot easier to get distracted at home. Oh, definitely. Like yeah. even like I was even like really like invested in this movie. I was still kind of like looking at my phone during it. I'm like, oh, I'm such a millennial. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I, yeah, that's how I am pretty much. Unless it's not polite, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Um. You mentioned the editing, and I believe that that is what they won the Oscar for. Yes. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. and uh, did, did they uh, not win for production design? Because... I think they only won one award, right? I believe they only what? won editing. Yeah. What? Are you serious? Let me look it up really quick. Because I feel like they should have at least won for production design, because I actually like wrote that down. I was like... Like, this is actually something I really appreciate about this movie. I think I've mentioned it a couple other times in this podcast, which is where when you're doing the world building, it's all about uh, showing and not telling, and that's exactly what this movie does, and I really appreciate it, because they don't explain hardly anything in this film. Okay, so they were nominated for ten awards, and they won six of them. Oh, So they won Best Costume Design, Best Production Design, Best film editing, best sound editing, best sound mixing, and best makeup. And all very deserved. Yeah, there were a bunch of women involved in all of that, too. Um, the film editing was Margaret Sixel. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's a bunch of other people involved in all of it. Uh, they were actually nominated for Best Picture. I did not remember that. Uh, yeah. And Yeah, that and Best Director. But then again, yeah. I, the weird thing is with Best Picture, ever since they decided to like make it up to 11 different nominees. It's a lot. There's a lot of points where you're like, uh, I don't know if this one really should have been up for it. Now, I personally felt that Fury Road should have won fucking everything. <laughs> that movie is a goddamn opera. It is. And it's just, it's it's very unique. And also, like, as someone who doesn't really 
like most action movies, I really appreciated how the action sequences were edited in this movie because, like, a lot of the times I wind up, like, spacing out mm-hmm. during, like, action scenes. I'm like, I can't follow what's going on, whatever. None of this matters. It's fine. And then, mm-hmm. like, during these, I was, like, engaged dur- the entire time and I could tell what was going on and I could follow what was going on. And I wish more action movies would go about this the same way as this one did because I read some trivia for this and, like, the cinematographer was specifically, like, given specific directions on how to shoot these scenes with, like, the actors, like, in the crosshairs mm-hmm. or whatever it was. And I was like, this is how all of them should be shot. Yeah, like, we actually had close-ups. We actually had the camera following the range of movement and, like, actually keeping the people that were important in the shot, but then, like, showing that other things were going on in the background and not framing it as, like, too overwhelming like you don't have these giant wide establishing shots for the entire action sequence you know yeah exactly. i feel like a lot of action movies do that well yeah. i remember um when it came out and it was around the time that that they were talking about the oscars and everything for it um george miller the director had done a video at one point talking about making the movie and and like the actual uh cinematography for it and he said one of the big things that they made sure to do, and he says is really something that hasn't been done for a long time now, is whatever the most important thing in the scene is that you're supposed to be paying attention to is always dead center in the frame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, it's one of those things where you just think to yourself, like, yeah, that makes so much sense. But if you look, like, that's not common anymore. It's, yeah. it's so strange to me. It's like, I feel like the ideal would be to, you know, be able to the audience to be able to follow like what's fucking happening but i know in like photography you go by the rule of thirds and you're like not really supposed to bullseye everything everything's not supposed to be in the middle of the screen but that is when you're doing like artistic shit and like and like not saying this isn't artistic but that's a different medium and a lot of the time i feel like people try to get too pretentious and too artistic in movies that don't even need to be that way and then they're they're losing the actual point of the shot like okay cool you have you know this nice uh shot where you have this person over to the left of the screen and then you just have like a blown out sky to the right of them and that doesn't tell you anything about the scene it's just you thinking that you should have framed it that way and they should have been in the center in this particular instance you know unless there's something else there that you need to be in the shot to establish something or convey something yeah i agree completely and like the thing is like certain things work for certain things and when you're trying to like convey the action of the scene it should be in service of what it is you're doing rather than in terms of what perhaps looks the best like still wise and like it just it just kind of like doesn't make sense to me how like, because the thing is, this movie does have, like, very fast editing, and it is, like, very artistically done, and it's beautiful, and the production design is wonderful, and it's, like, it's not like you can't have something artistic if you're trying to, like, um do it in a, like, you if you're not trying to do that bullseye thing where you're trying to keep, like, mm-hmm. everything in the center of the frame, so it doesn't, I don't know why more movies don't do this, is really kind of what the yeah. shorthand version of what I'm trying to say. I think what it is, is it, it boils down to, uh, as Lita was saying, when it comes to photography and your your artistic style and everything like that was as we got out of the 80s into more like the 90s and everything people were really trying to push for a more like avant-garde look to mainstream film to kind of catch the the art house uh aesthetic Mm. 
And so, you know, you have a shot where, like, a guy is standing in front of, you know, a river or whatever. So he's on the left side, and then most of the frame is going to be the river. And sure, it, it shows us that this is, you know, a difficult thing if he's trying to yeah. cross it or whatever it is. Um, the problem is, is that in this movie, the obstacles in the way are not things around them. It is always right in front of them. Yes. And it's it's giving the sense of as long as everything is directly in the center, you're not questioning what are you supposed to look at and you're not you know having this moment where you're trying to figure out what's happening, who is this, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Miller's entire intent was there should be no question in anything that happens in this movie. I'm going to spoon-feed it to you because we've got a lot that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it works and it doesn't feel that heavy-handed or telegraphed like a lot of movies like it could have been that way. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think they had something like what was it like over 400 hours of footage to like go through or something oh. like uh, that. Uh 450 hours to edit. Yeah. Wow, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. Oh yeah. wait, sorry, 470. There's 20 more hours. <laughs> and it's I- a whole other day. And I, I also remember reading, like, way back in the day that, like, they specifically asked a woman to do this because she would edit it in a way that a man wouldn't think to. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, historically, like, Star Wars wouldn't be anything like it It ended up being without, um, is her name Marsha? I don't know. Martha? <laughs> George Lucas's wife was the one that edited the yeah. first one, I'm pretty sure. Um, uh, top, I was going to say top of my head, I don't remember. But, um, well, and speaking of in that vein, as we get back to talking about the editing and, uh, also to kind of wrap back to the, uh, the, the MRA storyline, uh, did either of you hear about the supposed controversy of the editing in this movie? No, I didn't. Uh, that there was a claim that came out. Now, granted, it came out on Reddit, so God knows how much, (laughs) uh, uh, actual backing there is to it, but a claim that came out that after they won the Oscar saying that, uh, George Miller's wife did not actually edit the movie, that it was two guys who they they claimed to be assistant editors were the ones who cut it together, and then Miller decided to put his wife's name on it because it looked better for the movie with all of the feminist things going on. Okay, what are the sources for this is my question. No, and that's, again, it's, it's because it's on Reddit, and the person who posted it on Reddit claimed they worked on the movie, but at the same time were like, oh, I'm not going to put my name out there because uh, if I do, I'll, I'll get blackballed in Hollywood. Yeah, I don't so it think was, so. It was, this, you know, it was one of those things where someone was able to jump at it and like throw it out there for clickbait articles a whole bunch, but it was like, at the same time, when you have... So many, you know, of the the men's rights activists and everybody being like, well, I'm not going to see this movie because it, it's propagating an anti-male, you know, uh, agenda. And mm-hmm. then you turn around and suddenly they're claiming, oh, a woman couldn't possibly have edited yeah. this movie. You're like, yeah, all right. That's that sounds like bullshit. You guys were the same ones who claimed you were going to bomb the Rotten Tomato scores for Black <laughs> Panther. Yeah, <laughs> they're always oh, contradicting fucking... each other constantly. Oh yeah. It's just, it's like, it's really sad, honestly. I mean, yeah, it is also like really like shitty and assholeish, but it's also like you kind of have to feel a certain sort of pity. It's like, really, you guys think that you're the only ones who can ever be good at anything and nobody else can. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's because sad. they are so insecure about the fact that they might not be or that someone might be better. And then that's why they. And so they cling on to like, um, 
this defense mechanism where it's like, well, if if it, if it wasn't us, then, like, you know, they probably had some kind of, like, affirmative action kind of thing. Or, like, you yeah. know, talking about, like, they didn't really deserve it because they didn't really earn it like we did, even though, like, you know, we had all these advantages that they didn't have. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, we earned it more than they did. It's just, it's... It's, it's toxic pathetic. masculinity, which is a lot of what this movie is about. And hey, yeah. Jackie, did you know that you would be watching a biopic about Donald Trump three years <laughs> before he was ever, you know, in office doing his shit? Because <laughs> if it don't feel like that, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> uh, we can only hope, Lita, that the end of this movie. Is what well, I remember. I hope I it doesn't get this bad. <laughs> around the time, like, when the election was coming out and everything, or when the election was about to happen and everything, like, this movie <laughs> was only a... screens. Yeah, no. This movie was only a, a year old at that point. Yeah. Uh, and I remember somebody posting the clip from the movie where Immortan Joe is talking to all of, like, the emaciated masses that mm-hmm. are living underneath, like, his, his giant oasis. Uh, and to not become addicted to yeah, water. Telling them, yeah. don't become addicted to water because you will then uh, re- you will then resent when it isn't there and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And it was somebody was pointing out just the idea of having someone who tells you that the thing you need is something that you don't deserve. Yeah. And that if you have it and you have too much of it, well, then you're going to become resentful and you'll turn against, you know, what's better for you. Yeah. And it, like, yeah. That, like, it's, oh, it's so ridiculous. It, it really resonates, honestly. And, like, when he said that, I just, like, kind of, like, felt it, like, in my gut. I was like, oh, shit. And, like, one of the things I wrote in my notes is, like, that whole, like, waterfall thing they do. It's, like, I get that it's, like, very dramatic. And also, like, a Morden Joe doesn't really, like, care about whether these people get water or not. But also, I'm like, there's much, there's a much more efficient way to do this probably than, like... Oh. <laughs> I know, that pisses me off, too. And then, like, nobody's under the rocks, like, where there's, like, a bunch pouring out. And I'm like, get under there! <laughs> See, my, my favorite thing to point out about this movie is there is... It, it doesn't seem to play as heavily in this one, but throughout the series, there's a major, like, through line about there being no gasoline anymore, and yeah. they're completely out of oil, and that's why everyone's, like, murdering each other. If they're so destitute for oil and gasoline, why is it that every weapon they have explodes? Yeah, right? <laughs> good point. It's a good point. <laughs> I haven't seen any of the other Mad Max movies either, actually. I haven't so, either. Yeah. My parents loved them, and that's why I like went to see this. And then I was like, "Ah, oh, you need to go see it." And then I think they didn't end up liking it that much. But I think it's mostly because like my mom was like, "Oh, I was really sad for the girls," and like I was really sad when the pregnant girl died. And I was like, "Yeah, yeah but it was a good sad. movie." Which is which is funny because for my parents, uh, I think my dad liked it. My mom doesn't really care for like this kind of a movie at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, she wasn't really interested in this one because of the fact that it wasn't Mel Gibson, and she had a Ugh. huge crush on him in the 80s. Oh, Ugh. no. God. Uh, um. I don't know how my mom... I feel like my mom never liked Mel Gibson. Uh, I know that they really liked the first movies because he drives a uh, Falcon, like an Australian one, but that's the that's his car like at the beginning of this, too, mm-hmm. I believe. And I think he had a cattle dog... In the first or second movie, and it gets killed, like, when in... he still had a family. I don't remember if he had a dog in the first one. In the second one, he has an Australian shepherd that oh, rides okay. around with him. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't die, but uh, I, that's basically it. He had the dog at one point, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, but then it's not in the now. third movie, so the most you can assume is he ate it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or it went its own way or something, you know, we can... We can Maybe pretend. It ran away. 
Something I'm unclear on is whether this is a reboot or a continuation of the movies that have already been done just with a new cast, or if it's that one fan theory I read, which was, like, the Tom Hardy Mad Max is, like, a different person. He's just, like, taking up the Mad Max mantle or something. I am so glad you brought this up. <laughs> because I I have actually been working on um, a thing for, for my podcast that I plan on doing at some point that that plays on this concept. Uh, there is the fan theory that uh, Tom Hardy's character is technically the the feral child that there is in Road Warrior. And uh, if you do, in fact, see that one, there's this little kid with wild hair who uses, like, a razor-sharp boomerang and throws it at people. And he becomes, like, obsessed with uh, 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 Mel Gibson's Mad Max. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think because there's something to do with a music box that he gave the little kid in that one that you then see in Max's bag in this one, uh, they assume that that means he is actually that kid grown up and pretending to be Max now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, which doesn't fully fit, because according to Road Warrior, that kid grew up to be the leader of, like, a civilization in Sydney or something like that. Okay. Um, the thing that I like to run with, though, is... The big thing with the Mad Max movies is there is very little consistency among any of them. Yeah. Um, And I think that is for the reason that almost every one of them is told by a narrator who is telling the legend of Mad Max, the wanderer in the desert who came to help, you know, when something went wrong. And they all tell the legend of how in the first movie it's, you know, he was a cop who was working in Australia when the whole gasoline crisis was happening and it was basically like the first days of the post-apocalypse and they're trying to stop like biker gangs who are terrorizing towns and his family winds up getting killed and he kind of loses his shit murders the rest of the gang and then goes off into the desert in his car so you can kind of assume he probably just died but then there's Every movie after that is basically telling the legend of this character who appeared, helped people who had problems, and then took off again. And so it almost plays in the idea that every movie is just the legend that somebody is telling about him, which explains why he seems different at points. He almost always has the car, even though it gets destroyed in, like, every movie. Everyone. <laughs> um, the fact that... You know, in in the the first movie when he's you know the post apocalypse has initially happened, like there's still towns and like civilization and stuff like that. And then you get into the second one, and it's like everybody's wearing hockey pads and S and M gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get into the third one, and it, it is straight up like nothing but desert and Tina Turner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's and then in this one, it's like the concept of what the 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 wasteland is and how the the characters live and everything like that like it's always similar but there are enough differences where it doesn't feel entirely like it's the same world yeah this seems like it would be like in the very far future although i guess it would be consistent with like how long his hair has grown out at the beginning and he like the narration is from the first person and then we get all of those sequences where he seeing like the kid who we assume is his daughter i think right which is interesting Um, for the fact that in the first movie he had a son yeah so it it plays on the idea of i I, they tried to explain it in the comics that this kid isn't supposed to be his child i guess 
It's just but like that, an allegory for all the children that he failed. <laughs> or something like that. But it was ultimately just like, you know, you could play it off of the idea that this is a different Max, and in this version he had a daughter. Or you could play it off that Max is so insane he doesn't remember who his own child was. Yeah. I, I feel like the best thing for this movie is to kind of like leave stuff open to interpretation. Like, for one, I'm not really a huge fan of like um, comics that are offshoots of a film or like oh, a franchise being like the official canon of whatever it me is. Either I love if, comics, but I don't want to have to go to an uh, extra source yeah. to find out more about canon. Like, not to find out about the story that already happened like if it's just auxiliary knowledge that's like oh cool that's a fun little side adventure this character had and it's technically canon but it doesn't impact yeah. the main story or whatever yeah. but yeah well and that's that's exactly what they did with these these little offshoot comics was they just kind of built on the world i think it was more along the lines of like readers okay. believing that there was like a little kid in one of them and they yeah. were like oh that must be the little girl he keeps seeing and you're like i don't know it doesn't explain uh, it yeah yeah, I just feel like sometimes, uh, I mean, I think those things are great for just, like you said, like auxiliary material or just kind of, like, extra stuff to know. But, like, when it's kind of, like, used as an argument against certain, like, interpretations of the film as itself, then that's kind of where you get into that territory. It's like, well, it's extra material that was included in the film, and so we can't really, like, count it as specifically canon. And, like, not everyone's gonna want to want to read extra material it's only like for like real fans of it yeah and i feel like we're both thinking of, like the same thing right <laughs> yeah 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 we are yeah, yeah. um but yeah I, I like that interpretation that there it's like kind of a different retelling each time because that's yeah. that's kind of a cool thing because like at the end it doesn't really matter who he is it matters like the story as a whole yeah and it's like it's like almost kind of like a religious kind of thing yeah, you know, where like everything's just kind of like filtered through everyone's own interpretations, and like stories get passed down, and it just winds up being like just this one figure, yeah, who kind of like represents all of it. I think mm -hmm. that's really cool, actually. Yeah, and I mean, in this sort of world, that would probably be how people would hear about things, anyways. They would, it would be back to the oral yeah, oral storytelling. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Ancient Grecian times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I was watching this, I was like, man, if they just had texting, they could just, like, <laughs> text and call them, like, listen, man, these guys, they took our war rig, <laughs> you gotta stop them, <laughs> they're not legit. <laughs> yeah. Yo, dog, lost rig, my bad. <laughs> yeah, um, speaking of the, the kid and, and how he sees, um, the kid, like, at just random moments, the editing on those moments was so good at the, the yeah. beginning of the film first of all i didn't remember there being so much exposition um him talking so much about yeah himself. there is in the beginning but then yeah. once we get into the story like they don't they just kind of like trust the audience for yeah. once to like kind of interpret <laughs> everything as it goes along which again yeah. i really fucking appreciate watching this i like i was like writing down a bunch of questions i'm like you know what it's fine i have these questions they don't have to <laughs> spoon feed everything to me it's fine and <laughs> So I was like, what's the spray? Like, what's the deal with that? Blah, blah, oh, blah. Yeah. And, and I was like, you know, I'll just enjoy the ride. <laughs> oh, um, I just assumed they were getting high on aerosols. Yeah, see, I didn't know what that was. I was like, what the hell is it's this like, silver spray? <laughs> it's chrome spray paint. Um, I was thinking that it's 
partially like they're getting high and partially it's their whole like obsession yeah, with like a ritual. being awaited and th- their obsession with the gasoline and the cars and everything so they're they're uh not <laughs> trying to like become like a car or whatever, yeah. but it's just like sort of part of that uh frenzied almost religious aspect yeah I, the, the most i can if i had to give it a reason which i love doing instead of you know being told <laughs> is uh the chrome on the teeth is like a chrome grill for a car mm-hmm. uh, and i would yeah. as, i would assume that the aerosol is kind of like a pain numbing agent for the fact that they knowingly are going to their death at this point yeah do you think that's why they have, like, the tumors and, like, the one guy has, like, staples and shit in his cheeks? Like, it's, like, eroding their faces? Uh, I don't know if that's what it or is. Or just because, because they're it all seems fucked like up. It's, it's... I was gonna say, it seems like the paint itself is specifically just, like, a, a ritualistic I'm about to sacrifice myself thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, The tumors and all that seem like they're just uh, mutations from living in, in a radiated desert. Uh, yeah. The staples in the face is more along the lines of it seems like he was insane enough that he cut his mouth open wider and yeah. then stapled it back together. And I think that was more of just a costume choice to have that character stand out. Yeah, because I was wondering, because that's the, the guy that tries to like, fight Nicholas Holt at the beginning, has the staples, and I was like, what? <laughs> Didn't remember that. Um, the That beginning sequence, that whole thing, kind of feels like Mad Max's like a final girl in a horror movie like yeah he keeps almost getting away from them and then like falling or getting you know tripped up on something <laughs> yeah and also when uh nooks is that his name nooks, like, he, like yeah. he's like oh yeah i'm gonna get in there i'm gonna fucking rule the whole thing and he trips immediately and, and they're like, like mediocre <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i hear that voice mediocre all the time haunting my life um <laughs> Uh, the whole milk farm thing. Uh, Super oh my gross. god! Oh no! Listen, when that came up on the screen, I like almost slammed my laptop shut. <laughs> I was like, "This is so disturbing and creepy. I can't take this." But I like, I wound up. I obviously I continued watching it, but I was yeah. like, "Oh my god, no!" Uh, obviously, I couldn't take my eyes away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that part is so nasty because it's just like a. It's just showing, uh, uh, it, I have a lot of thoughts about this, and I'm not going to articulate any of them properly, I, I'm pretty sure. It reminds me of, of a podcast guest and a different podcast that I listened to that was like, it's disgusting for men to drink milk. Every time I see men drinking milk, I just like imagine them sucking on their mother's teats still <laughs> because they're big, stupid babies. <laughs> so that's like what I always think about. And I think it's so funny that we have this like toxic masculinity, all of the war boys, all of these people that are like, yes, war guzzling go off to our deaths uh just you know use these people to breed and then they've got like oh but we need the mother's milk because we don't have enough water and we're gonna gorge ourselves on like this milk that you know oh god (laughs) i wonder humans aren't supposed to eat it after their babies you know i was gonna say i wonder if that has anything to do with why the war boys are like so emaciated and fucking weird looking yeah it's because it's these these are grown adults that are living off of like breast milk a beyond the age of three but b also in an irradiated wasteland so it's like there's a possibility that that's never good i'm not sure if they are allowed it i i feel like it's uh 
his direct descendants, um, Joe's direct descendants that are the ones and like they're all the oh, ones that okay. are like that could be big and point. strong and, and like some of them are fatter and stuff like that well did anybody catch my favorite uh upsetting costume choice <laughs> of uh not the bullet farmer who was the other one the face eater possibly the <laughs> the guy the guy who ran uh gas town mm. Yeah, I've only seen it the once. That's and fine. I just watched it. So, so there's 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 the bullet farmer who runs the bullet farm, which is where they make all of their ammunition. And then there's mm-hmm. Gas Town, was where they were sending the war rig to go collect gasoline. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they were chasing after them later on, the leader of Gas Town is a very overweight man whose feet are so large he oh, could not fit in the guy. shoes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Wearing a business suit with the nipples cut out yeah. and nipple clamps on him. Yeah. yeah. That wasn't great because, like, I saw, like, the little chains. I'm like, oh, they're trying to, like, evoke, like, the, the old-timey, like, guys with the, the, the clocks and their, like, uh, the watches and their, like, their coats. And I was like, oh, no! No! It's on his nipples! Oh, no! It's Why? much worse. <laughs> oh, yeah. One thing I want to talk about, though, is the guitar guy. Hell yeah! Oh. Fire guitar! Oh my god. <laughs> Fire guitar! Like, it's so badass, but also, like, imagine, like, seeing the listing for that job, being like, listen, we just need you <laughs> to, like, okay. shred some sick-ass guitar on front of this car the entire he, time we're out there. He is, like, chained up to it and, like, bouncing around like he's on a fucking trampoline. <laughs> he is just, like, playing metal. You just hear the metal, like screeching across the desert and it's like and he's just like fire blasting and the fucking like mask thing that he's got on and his face looks all fucked up and like ghastly yeah. he looks like a ghoul from fallout yeah. 4 I also and i'm love, just like fuck yeah i also love the second he got his guitar back he was automatically just shredding it again. yeah it he's so, just like this is my fucking so life dedicated. So, so dedicated apparently that character is played by an actual musician in australia who is rather decently known uh, and in an interview, he had said that the guitar itself weighed over a hundred pounds. Oh my god! That was part, probably part of the reason that they had him in like the bungee setup was because oh, yeah. to have him stand there with that on just his shoulder would have killed him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, because they rigged it, it up was to all have practical effects. Yes, they rigged it up to have an actual flamethrower built into the body of this guitar, and he could use the whammy bar to set it off. Amazing! Can you just imagine playing Guitar Hero, and instead of the whammy bar, it's just a fucking flamethrower? <laughs> just shoots fire. <laughs> you're playing Freebird, and you're just like whoosh. <laughs> Amazing! I love oh, that. Man. That's my favorite part. That alone made me go watch that movie. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Do, um, we, uh, do we want to get into more trivia, or do we have more things to discuss? I, I have, like, a whole bunch of notes, but we can pepper some trivia throughout yeah, yeah. if Go you ahead. want. Get, get to your notes, girl. And I'm sure Jackie has a lot of her questions, too. Um, I, I love the colors. I don't know if we've mentioned that already. That's, like, a big part of this movie was the, the colors. Just being so, like... Very orange, very blue, very rich, and then the whole scene in the sandstorm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so uh, and good. It, yeah the the color the color use that they did in this the the oversaturation of color at points is 
one of the things that I love about this movie because it, it, it's able to build just that much more of a fantastical looking landscape. Yeah. Out of just desert. Yeah. Um, and it's part of the reason as to why at one point they released a version of this movie that was black and white. Yeah, I I did see that. And it yeah, is I remember seeing that too. far inferior. Yeah, I I feel like probably the coolest part of me was like um when like the night scenes were just like just straight up blue. Mm-hmm. That was that was just, my favorite. Yeah. And I like love, um I, I love remember, that like ugh. Yeah, like uh they shot it like specifically like overexposed so they could like shoot it like that. I was, mm-hmm. I thought that was like extremely cool. <laughs> I thought it was, like, a great stylistic choice. It was to a point where I I honestly was wondering if they were going old-school day-for-night shoots. Yeah. Yeah, I I was wondering that, too. They were. I think that they did because I think that the blue is just color filters over. Yeah, because I I remember, like, even way, way before I saw this movie, I remember reading that on on Tumblr, uh, (laughs) that it was was a day-for-night shoot, and, like, uh, they specifically, like, shot it in a way where they could make it just entirely blue and, like, overexposed. And I also liked how, like, um, whenever, like, someone, like, had, like, a flame by them or something, they weren't blue, like, the whole rest of, uh, the frame was. And, like, they were just kind of, like, isolated in that way. Like, uh, Nux and, uh, the redhead. (laughs) I don't remember everyone's name. I'm sorry. Uh, I think her name is Capable. Yeah. I think, I think a lot, because a lot of it is, like, a lot of the names in this movie are just pretty glossed over. And yeah, that's yeah. why it's more so significant when he finally says what his name is at the end, too. Mm-hmm. That's something that I forgot, that he doesn't even say for the longest time what his name is. Yeah. Um. Angarahad, Angarahad, however the fuck you say it, Splendid Angarahad. Uh, I don't know. It's I a Welsh. I don't know either. <laughs> it's a Welsh name, and it's like much loved one. It's it's a name used for royalty. So that's I mean that's self explanatory. Yeah. I actually thought that her death was a sacrifice. I didn't remember it as an accident. Oh really? Yeah. Hmm. I I thought that I she mean, maybe, like, did maybe it on purpose. Maybe it kind of was a sacrifice in a way, even if it was accidental. Yeah. I think that I pieced together in my head the two scenes where she's where they stick her out and she's like, "Look at your baby," and I think that I stuck that scene with her like death scene uh, together, okay. thinking like, "Here, look at your baby. Now I'm gonna kill it." You know, <laughs> that's in my head what happened. Oh yeah, I, I get what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I noticed that they also used the term McFeasting at a certain point. They did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Yeah. See, I so. loved I loved the the bits where they would just throw in Australian slang. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like like the one wife constantly calling everybody slaga. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole time I'm like, I don't know what that means, but I would get so pissed if somebody said that to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Australians have some crazy terms for stuff. Oh my god. They Those wacky uh, Aussies. Pickles are called gherkins, and. Even if they're not a gherkin? Yeah, and gherkins are... A gherkin are is a like thing a, already. <laughs> yeah, everything is mixed up. You can't just you can't just claim a name of something as to mean all of it. I mean, McDonald's I get it. McDonald's isn't McDonald's, it's Macca's, and they have I did know that, yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris was there uh, a couple of years ago, and he brought back all kinds of slang for me, but I forget a lot of it now, he, and he's he's not here right now, so... Yeah, it's useless. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We'll have what do I keep him locked up in the bathroom for? Jeez. 
I knew there was something like that going on with you guys. Um, so... <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, so, like, the part where he's, like, um, trying to, like, get his mask off in the beginning, like, I know that's what he's doing, but, like, the entire time he was doing it, I was, like, just thinking, oh, man, the back of my head is so itchy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I kept getting confused. I'm like, is he just scratching the back of his head? Like, I know that's what he's doing, but also, like, what? Yeah. It's funny. The, that whole scene when they're, um... I, I know that it's because he's like feral and everything, and he just, like doesn't talk to anyone anymore. But I was like, just tell him, just tell him what you need. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, it is. It is a little difficult to the fact that this is a man who just survived what easily should have been his death. Yeah, has been wandering alone in the desert for decades. Yeah, and has, like he doesn't have any blood left. Yeah. Like and it's all gone. I was gonna, yeah, exactly. <laughs> has had probably half of his goddamn blood taken out of him. It's and amazing it, that he can that do was, anything in this movie after that, honestly. That was something I was wondering. I'm like, how much blood can you take out of someone before they just fucking die? Like, I was like... I'm assuming that because the human body can only hold so much that... It was probably just sitting in the tube between them. Yes. I, I don't think that it was actually, like, doing yeah. that much. Because I'm, I'm sure that it can't be, like... A scientifically proper no. blood transfusion, no, you know. No. <laughs> well, I love I love the fact that in order to do the blood transfusion, they hang him upside down as if he's an, <laughs> like IV, an bag. IV bag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, do you have to like tap him to make sure there's not bubbles in him? Yeah, like, we remember this one thing from the old world, so let's just do it with like anything. Yeah. It kind of made me think, though, of, I don't know if either of you have ever seen uh, Never Let Me Go, which is that movie with uh, Andrew Garfield and Keira Knightley. Mm-mm. No. no. All right, well, the concept behind that movie, spoiler alert, is that um, <laughs> there are these uh, humans that are, like, clones of, like, rich people, and they're specifically cloned and grown so they can donate their organs to the rich people. Oh, that and then, sounds like Altered Carbon almost, like that new show. Yeah, and like watching that, it's like, well, that's not really the secret to eternal life, is just having an endless source of organs to transplant. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you kind of have to suspend your disbelief a little bit watching that movie. But yeah, it kind of reminded me of that. What do they do yeah. for their skin? And like. That's well, no, they just take them. they just take their organs. What about so, do, what about the brain? Do they have to swap brains? Because then might, it's not the same I, person. Well, the, the kind of, like, the implication is, like, you you wind up, like, giving away so many of your organs that clone you just, like, eventually dies. But then it's like, well, then oh, yeah. what the fuck do you do next, then? You wait another, like, 20 years before the next clone to grow? It, does, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense on paper. The movie is very good, yeah. but, um... I'll yeah. just say, they made five movies about tornadoes full of sharks. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, but you're not supposed to take those seriously. <laughs> I don't think the people making those movies take them seriously either. No, yeah. no, they don't. They put Tara Reid in them. They can't. Yeah. <laughs> There's legally, a lot of movies speaking, about, about organ transplants and stuff like that. There's, like, literally Repo Men and Repo Man, the genetic opera, and now we've got Altered Carbon, which is, like, a similar concept, and... Ghost in the Shell is, like, kind of a similar concept. Transplanting consciousnesses and stuff. Yeah. Well, Art Altered Carbon has a little bit of a, a weird twist to it in the fact that it's less yeah. about, like, cloning people and more about finding a way to put your consciousness basically on a hard drive and then just pop it into any body. Yeah. There are clones, but... No, yeah, like there are. They have the, the stacks, and it doesn't matter if your body gets destroyed. You just, like, pop yourself into somebody else. 
and there's a lot of interesting stuff on class in that show, but I do have a lot of issues with that show. But and that's now not, back to desert car chases. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's this um, Mad Max treats women so much better than Altered Carbon does. Discuss. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I read before what? we did this that Eve Ensler was actually a consultant for uh, this movie, I think. I uh, don't know uh, who that is. She did the uh, the vagina monologues. She's that oh, lady. okay. Yeah, okay. so she was, like, brought on as a consultant. She's like, oh, man, I really love, like, the strong woman in this movie, so, like, I'm gonna, like, I continue would, consulting on it. I would Ooh. love to hear the, the call that George Miller made. <laughs> where it just starts off with, you know, I loved your play. I thought it was really powerful. It was really great. I'd love you to help me out on this movie. So it takes place in a <laughs> desert. After the post-apocalypse, where everybody's deformed, and there's a big car chase that involves a giant tanker, and uh, Tom Hardy's in it, and... <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's included. Like, that would sell me on it. I'd be like, yeah, I'll consult on oh my God. movie, Tom Hardy's yeah. in it. I have Hell said... Yeah. I have said that that the Venom movie that's coming out looks fucking terrible, but they put Tom Hardy in it, so they already bought my ticket. Wait, yeah. there's a Venom movie coming out? Yeah, yeah. in October. Oh, no. <laughs> I can't believe it's that soon. Wow. Yeah, which is really disheartening. Uh, I've heard some uh, some things about him. Nothing, like, specific that I can remember, but some things that are no good, so that's sad. I did hear that he had been, like, difficult to work with on this movie, but that he apologized to everyone after. So, oh. to his he, he fucking hated making this movie while they were doing it. Oh, my God. Because it was a movie in which they were filming in, like... Oh, God, which desert was it? Uh... It's in Australia, right? No, it's in Africa. Oh, wow. Uh, Most of them took place in Australia. They decided to go to Africa for this one because I guess George Miller was like, "Eh, I've seen the Outback. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, it honestly even looks a lot like like parts of Utah and Colorado. Oh, uh, Namibia is where it was. Okay. But, um, yeah, so it's it's the fact that it is is like 110 degrees out, Mm -hmm. all day shoots, in the middle of a desert, and did he get dysentery though because harrison ford got dysentery and raiders <laughs> that, no i guess not at least not as far as i know um but it was also the fact that like the way that they had to set up shots and everything because they filmed the entire movie in sequence oh wow so I they know that they either. went from opening shot to closing shot That's the whole rare. way wow. um and just the, the the way that it was filmed, the way that they the days went and everything like that. You're also in the middle of a hot desert where now you also have shit exploding at you all the time. Yeah. He was fucking miserable making it. And he was very upset with George Miller. Uh, he and Charlize Theron did not get along at all. Yeah, I did hear that. Which is funny because their stunt doubles in this movie fell in love and got married. Yes, that's I did so read that too. Amazing. Yeah. Aw, that's so cute. Uh, yeah, that is nice. But apparently when they finally premiered it at Cannes and he actually saw the movie, he publicly apologized to everyone that was working on it because he said, I could not foresee what it was that we were making past my own petty needs and, and uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I remember like Charles, Charlize Theron saying something similar too. She was like, yeah, like half the time I didn't know what the hell it was we were doing. But now that I've seen it, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, and especially because this is a movie where there's not a lot of dialogue. They don't yeah. have a lot of scenes where people are talking. It's a lot of cars moving, and every now and then someone gets punched. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I did remember that. I think it's really funny, like, when one person 
is like oh poor me i'm so miserable it's like everybody is out here buddy um yeah you're not the you're not the fucking pa man yeah um (laughs) i remember seeing something a while ago and i was trying to look it up i just found like a tiny little snippet about it that he got an ice cream man blasting bob marley quote to deliver ice cream man uh for the uh to not to deliver ice cream not to deliver the ice cream man sorry (laughs) what did you just say (laughs) Uh, let me start over rewind okay tom hardy during the shooting of mad max fury road got an ice cream man to come out to deliver ice cream to the crew uh of the movie out in the desert so i'm trying to find like a more reliable source for that and i'm having a hard time so we could just cut that part out (laughs) Why? <laughs> no, we're gonna leave it in. <sighs> we're gonna leave it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, sucks that he's a douche a little bit. Good that he apologized. Yeah. I Everybody mean, else is going through the same thing. I so mean, like, it, fuck up, dude. Yeah. It kind of it kind of boiled down to he was being a whiny white boy, and <laughs> yeah. luckily he he saw the error of his ways with it. As far as I have heard, I mean, he has had he has had a rough past and had has done some things that are questionable but as far as i've heard like in the past five to six years he has really worked to be a much better person in general mm-hmm. um like he he donates to charity a lot he i think one of my favorite things ever was there was a question that somebody asked him at one point i forget what it had to do but there was like an inter- he was at like a comic-con or something and somebody had asked him a question about like the sexuality. I, I think it was his sexuality or something uh, like that. I think I know what it is. And like legitimately, his answer was like, "Uh, that honestly has nothing to do with anything that we are talking about, and I don't feel it has any precedent for me to talk to you about it." Hmm. Because he played a, a gay guy. gangster at some point. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of a a lot of the shit recently where and uh, reporters think that they can just yeah coercively out people too yeah the um <laughs> oh my god what the leap pace leap pace yes yes that yeah. whole mess yeah which is like i mean it sucks because like the thing is there have been like so many rumors about leap pace for a long time but like the fact that he was basically like forcibly outed by this reporter is like really gross and disgusting and yeah. it's just not ethical and no yeah, that's everyone... why it always like squicks me out a little bit when people hypothesize a lot about real people like it's okay if you want like a character to be gay or like if you're reading subtext into things but it, i always get a little bit like uh you know maybe let's not uh yeah. assume that this person is is gay or bi or whatever like let's just kind of let them do that on their own time you know I mean, I will fully admit to, like, doing this in private, and I do a little bit regret doing that in the Social Network episode that we did, but, um, we added that disclaimer, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because, like, I, I would especially not, like, presume to, like, say anyone is definitively whatever their sexuality is, but, yeah. like, um, yeah, it does suck, and also, like, we just have, like, a little podcast, like, we're not important, we're not part of, like, a big publication or something, Well, and, and that was in, in context of talking about the characters as well yeah yeah and we're not like you know <laughs> so andrew garfield i'm gonna harass you repetitively until you actually yeah. come out and say what your sexual orientation is you know like yeah exactly because you're not allowed to play this character unless you're you know this way or that way 
Yeah. You know, don't worry about it. He's just like gay, but not gay. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like yeah, whatever. It, it's it's the entitlement that's really shitty about it. Is the whole thing. Yeah, and uh, that same reporter apparently outed Anderson Cooper, and it's in that situation he was kind of like out in America, like to his friends and in immediate surroundings in new york but he was like an, an overseas correspondent and he was like i could literally get fucking murdered for this overseas yeah. where i am reporting so like it's a danger to my life to have this out there in the open you know yeah. I just, <laughs> like i think what happens a lot of the times like either it's a thing where like oh we have to get like the story and it's like it's too juicy to not tell and mm-hmm. a combination of that and also like oh man everyone needs to be out for like political reasons because the more people are out the more will be accepted and like that one i can kind of like understand more but i feel like most of the time it's just kind of like oh we need the juicy story yeah and i mean like still even if it's 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 coming from a a place of an extreme privilege to just assume that everyone can come out and be safe doing so yeah because it's not the case for many people you know they can literally get murdered disowned by their family end up homeless it happens all the time yeah anyways that's a complete tangent i'm yeah. sorry it, it is but also <laughs> like um so like some of the subtext in this film i think is a little bit queer i feel like yeah between I, some of the women i think that there is definitely um i think that's definitely in there on purpose like between, between the wives and uh that. you mean you mean the old lesbian tribe yeah, the old mm-hmm. lesbian tribe, <laughs> those guys. I I also read that a lot of those old women like did their own stunts, which is all of them. Badass as shit. Oh, so the cool. uh, the oldest one, the one who had the bag full of seeds and everything. Yeah. Uh, apparently, she was quoted in saying the reason she took that role was because I'm 78 years old. I've never made a movie like this before, and if I don't do it now, I probably won't before I die. Yeah. Yes. Hardcore. <laughs> That's fucking I mean, why bullshit. not? Like, And I feel like older people don't ever get a chance to do stuff yeah. like that in general. It is, especially older women, because, like, yeah. um, like older women, a lot of the times, unless they're already been, like, huge stars for a long time, they don't get, like, these really cool roles. They don't get, like, lead roles. And it's just, it's really cool to, like, see, like, this, again, like you said, like, like just tribal, like, just old women just, like, kicking everyone's ass and, yeah. like, doing their own stunts. And it's so, like, refreshing. And a lot, a lot of this movie's really refreshing. Like, um, like, you guys were saying before about how, like, it was originally supposed to be black and white, but, like, now it's, like, color and it's, like, not the same as, like, every other dystopian movie that's ever made where, like, everything is, like, so washed or out. it's all fucking mm-hmm. gray, yeah. 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 Like, I get the artistic idea behind making everything, everything washed out and gray and stuff because it's supposed to convey, like, hopelessness or whatever, but, like, with this, it just, it just, oh, it looks so different and it was just really cool. It was really cool to see. I think what I find so interesting about it is it, it's almost in a different way where like a lot of your dystopian stuff it's very gray it's very washed out and you're getting this hopelessness of like the urban uh setting for dystopian stories this it's almost in the idea of because of the fact that it's it's like nature is taking over and like you know american or not even american human society i mean is falling apart it's the idea that there's so much color because it's just the planet yeah yeah Coming back with a vengeance. <laughs> Nature's on her way. Um. 
And you, and you guys caught that, according to this movie, the oceans have dried out, yes? Yeah, yeah, I did get yeah. that with the salt lands. Yeah. You could, like, dry, like uh, ride across it for 160 days and you wouldn't make it to the other side. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, bummer. <laughs> yeah, it took me it took me a couple of, of viewings before I caught that, because the first time I saw it, it was like, oh, you know, we're going to go across the Great Salt Plain. I was like, what is that, just the desert? And then, yes. like, the second time I saw it, it was the point where, like, it dips down and then it just keeps going flat. I was like, oh, shit, that's the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> yup. Which is crazy to think that it wouldn't even be evaporating and raining or anything. Like, where did it go? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, I feel like if it was hot enough that the ocean is gone, there's no way any of you are alive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Like, who knows? <laughs> who knows what kind of crazy shit the environment's going to do? Probably within our lifetimes. Yeah, hopefully you know? not. Yeah. Hopefully I'll be super old like that lady, and I'll just get to do a bunch of baller stuff. Yeah, that'll be us. As I go out, like, stab somebody fighting and, over, yeah, you know, we're gasoline. We're carrying, like, a bag of seeds with us yeah. everywhere we go. Yeah. Just be super mystical and, like, crazy and mysterious. Yeah. yeah. Just just say shit that is just batty. <laughs> just walk up to someone random on the street and be like, did you know the stars are in your anus tonight? And uh... <laughs> and then you wink, and then you realize, oh, fuck, he's going to follow me. <laughs> and then you stab him, because you don't care. That's assault. <laughs> Not in a post-apocalyptic landscape, though. <laughs> Um, I was going to mention the chastity belts. Oh, yeah. How did they go to the bathroom? (laughs) How did they go number two? Well, it's Um. a very upsetting story to tell. (laughs) I mean, they probably didn't have enough, like, solid food, like, around i mean i would assume that they're like well taken care of because they're his wives or whatever but yeah, uh, yeah i was gonna say they, they say all they had crops they said they all yeah. looked like they were a hundred percent you know Healthy. no yeah they had no problems no boils anything like that yeah everyone's like oh they have such soft skin where did you find these people <laughs> yeah uh, in yeah, a cave that, i was like hmm <laughs> how'd you how'd you manage all of that <laughs> oh yeah, but there is there actually is the point where they show the uh the crops and everything that they were they were growing inside yeah. of uh the citadel. Yeah. So yeah. They they yeah, had so their they greens. Have solid food, yeah. I don't Does that mean they were also eating people cuz there was like no animals? Yeah, see I have like a lot of questions in regards to that. Also, oh, like... <laughs> except for the, except for the two-headed lizard at the beginning. So oh, Yeah, yes, I had yes, poor yes. lizard. <laughs> Poor baby. I saw and that. the bug. And like I also like was like um when Nux was like letting the bug crawl up on his hand, yeah. I was like writing a no, I'm like, oh he's like letting it crawl up, so that means he's not violent more. And I'm like, oh he ate it. Never never mind. Yeah, he hungry. Pure protein. <laughs> he hungry. It kind of ruined the metaphor a little bit, but okay. <laughs> he's losing his violent ed- oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, alright, no, I get it. I mean he's gotta eat. They're Always in a desert. <laughs> Yeah, I'd assume that they they do a lot of that eating bugs and stuff. Uh, but yeah. I guess they would just be like vegetarian and subsist on blood and milk. I'm yeah. assuming a diet of milk, vegetables, and cockroaches. Yeah. yeah. 
But even just, like, the people, like, gathered outside waiting for, like, the water to fall on them. I'm like, how are these people not all fucking dead? <laughs> yeah. Like, my whole thing is, like, oh, like, Amor and Joe's like, oh, no, you, if you rely too much on water, then the water controls you or whatever. It's like, yeah, but, like, if you don't drink something every three days, like, you're, you're gonna die. Yeah. Well, so we I also... I think you can actually go a whole week, but you, like, don't... Yeah. You're not doing okay. <laughs> yeah, and we, we also have only seen the world that they live in in a matter of, like, a day or two. Yeah, that's For true. all we know, he gives them water once a day. Yeah. And yeah. if that's true and they're collecting it in buckets and stuff, they're trying to hold on to it for the entire day so that they have it for the next time or whatever. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. If this is, like, he does this once a month, no, everyone would be dead. Yeah. <laughs> And then they wouldn't have their blood bags, so they, I mean, there's obviously a method to the madness there. Yeah. Because I'm sure that they just, like, go and pick off people from the crowd. Oh, yeah. For the war boys, you Absolutely. Know? I also feel like on a dark note, there'd be, like, a lot more suicides. But <laughs> if you had the means to, to do that, then yeah. But at the same time, we noticed, you know, the entire, the entirety of the Citadel is basically a religion. You know, the, the yeah. war boys are following this, this you know, road to Valhalla religion that uh, Morton Joe has. So for all we know, the people who are on the ground getting water from him think of him as a god. Yeah. Yeah, they do kind of, like, uh, telegraph that a bit at the beginning, where he's like, I'm your only hope or whatever it is the fuck that he says. And, like, <laughs> everyone's like, yay, Morton Joe. But then I feel like towards the, at the end where he's dead, you'd feel like there'd be a lot more like grief and rioting than there was at the same time well, at the beginning when he turns off the water they are all like ah oh, no fuck you you know so I, I think that they're definitely like they know what's up like and i think that everyone loved furioso when so when she's let up they're like oh shit oh a nice person as they should. maybe she'll give us water <laughs> yeah that's the best yeah i love her character so much yeah, it's you have to kind of think that everyone on the ground and even most of the people in the Citadel hated a Morton Joe because she shows up with him and his face is ripped off and he's dead and their immediate reaction is like, "Well, all right, that that's uh that's a dead Joe. Come on up, you can rule now." <laughs> yeah, dude, they just ripped his shit out. Oh my god, <laughs> just. I guess it was, was, like, kind of, like, the duality thing. Like, this is literally the only person who can, like, give us anything. So we have to, like, like him, I guess. But also, what a dick. Yeah. And obviously we have other settlements and and such because we've got Gastown and and Bullet Town. Bullet Place. Bullet. Bulletville. (laughs) Bullet. Oh, the Bullet Farm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. (laughs) Remember. I was, I was, I would have said it sooner, but I had just noticed uh, while going through the things of trivia about this. This movie was supposed to be made in two thousand three. Yeah, wow. yeah, I read that as well. With, and Mel Gibson was supposed, and to and it was going to have Gibson in it. He, yeah. I mean, I know George Miller originally wrote the concept for this movie in like nineteen ninety two. Yeah. Um, it took him ten years because he was also trying to do other projects and get money together for this, and also because Mel Gibson had become a real big star at that point. Uh, and and the o- a real big asshole. Yeah, and the only reasons that they didn't make it was that in 2003, uh, at the start of the Iraq War, uh, mm. travel from the United States and the United Kingdom were restricted in areas like Namibia. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, and also, uh, jo- uh, 
Mel Gibson decided he was more interested in directing Passion of the Christ. Yeah. I mean, it, that was a big hit, so it's not like it was a bad move necessarily. And also, I feel like it was it was better for this movie to have been made now, I think, than oh, it yeah. had been at the time, because it feels I, a lot more relevant now. I was going to say, I don't know how this movie as it is, would have landed in 2003. Yeah, I can't imagine it would have done well, to be honest. I don't think so, and also having Mel Gibson in it would have been... Yeah, it would have been a, a, very much a stain on yeah. <laughs> the legacy. I mean, because yeah. we can forgive like the very old Mel Gibson movies. Or, like Maybe people didn't necessarily know how bad he was, but like at this point, it's like, uh, no, and... The fact that he's apparently being embraced by Hollywood again is very, um, something. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like him. Um, did y'all know that George Miller directed all of Mad Max's? Yeah. And he also directed Babe, Pig in the City. <laughs> yeah, I remember mm-hmm. reading that. Happy Feet. <laughs> Happy Feet 2. The Witches of Eastwick. And Lorenzo's Oil, which... I think is a movie that I've probably seen that neither one of you have probably I've seen. I've never even heard of that last one. Um, I may have seen it a long time ago because I recognize the name and I, I vaguely know the concept of it, but I don't remember if I have seen it. Yeah, uh, we watched it in my anatomy class because the kid has a disease that where his myelin uh, is melanin. degenerative. Is no. it the melanin? No. No. Myelin is like the, the sheath of something it's been a really long time since so I took this class. then never mind uh, <laughs> then then i'm just making shit up please continue <laughs> it's something it's something that goes wrong in his brain and they uh they produce a way to help treat him and then he ends up dying but it ends up helping kids in the future uh not die from this disease like but in the I robot just, future no no like now <laughs> like it's like a true story <laughs> oh. uh it's just interesting that that i had seen a george miller movie that long ago that i wouldn't have assumed would have been directed by him <laughs> I just, well I with such like... such wonderful things as babe pig in the city and happy yeah. feet hey, it's not babe like you... pig in the city is a good movie okay a... except hey. for the part where the bull terrier is dangling off the bridge but then they save him so everything is okay that was very distressing for me as a child now what i was going Listen. to say was with such movies as babe pig in the city and happy feet you can't exactly determine what George Miller's style is anymore. Oh, Listen, true. get you a man who can do both. <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> uh, I think it's uh, like in a serious note. It's great to have that kind of versatility as a as a director. Yeah, you can do like like silly bullshit like Happy Feet or Babe Pig in the City or whatever it is, and then stuff like the Mad Max movies. And this one, which was nominated for many, many Oscars, and it won uh, most of them that it was nominated for. Yeah. So, good for you, Which is extremely... I I had no idea. I'd forgotten that they won so many Oscars, so it's really great. Yeah. Also, the uh, Best Picture winner this year that they were up for was Spotlight. And I know that I never see all the Best Picture winners, so, like, I really can't say anything, but excuse me? Listen... (laughs) I didn't pay attention to the Oscars at all last year. I have no idea what Spotlight even is. Oh, it was is. the year before. It was two <laughs> or whatever, years Or whatever it was. Whatever yeah. it was. I, I wasn't paying was attention. Moonlight. 
I don't know what Spotlight is. Like, uh, what I don't either. Spotlight was a story uh, about the exposure of the um, child molestation charges against Catholic oh. priests in Boston. Oh, oh was now that I feel movie? bad for making okay. fun yeah, of it. Yeah, Lita. <laughs> wow, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I thought that it was a movie about Hollywood. I don't know. No, that's La La Land. <laughs> no, but I know that one, but I feel like there was another one that I had like a I mean, it sounds like it could be with. about Hollywood with that. Yeah, title, all right. So but... now I feel like a jerk. Sorry, guys. <laughs> shame, Lita. We get to shame Lita again. Yay! <laughs> Yay. <laughs> but also, that feels like a, a very typical, like, Oscar bait type story, right? I mean, it is, yeah. Something about either a period piece or some sort of, oh, these people are struggling. Let's watch them struggle. It's a tragedy. Or uh, something about Hollywood. Yeah. It's like, that's how you make a Best Picture winner, right? Yup. Until now. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. I now, mean you, now you just bang a fish. Yeah. <laughs> that's all you gotta do. It's the secret recipe. Um. <laughs> uh, do you have any other uh, questions in your notes that you were uh, talking about, Jackie? Yeah, I wrote down... The thing is, like, a lot of the questions I had, I was like... Does it really matter, though? <laughs> I mean, like, I was and the like, answer is no. Yeah, that's the whole thing. I feel like, I, I feel like this is something we discussed in other episodes too, where it's like the world building in this movie is great, specifically because they don't have to spoon feed it to us. They kind of like trust us to figure it out on our own, either just from the one viewing or through repeat viewings, or if we're really interested in it, we can look it up ourselves. But that we can still understand everything that's going on because there's not that much dialogue and because, like, a lot of it relies so much on the visuals. And, um, also my other final thought is the guitar guy was fucking cool as shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably one of my favorite parts. I'm like, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I love it. It's like, why do they have this whole sound system? Why is there a guitar guy? Like, why not? You know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Sometimes things don't have to make sense. They just can be, like, a fun thing that happens. And as long as it fits within the world, it's, like, totally fine and cool. Yeah, I think that it is a lot to do with the juxtaposition of, like, the excess of ridiculousness that they, and, like, the extremes they go to when they're going to war versus how the people are living. Yeah, yeah. You know, in the Citadel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think uh, another part of it is is this could be another thing that does play into the idea of this being, like, a legend that is being told by somebody. Yes. In the same way as how, with the movie 300, there was a lot of backlash about the fact that, like, all of the Persians that were the enemies in that included, like, giants and monsters and, like, people with hooks for hands and, like, all this <laughs> weird shit. But at the same time, it was because this was a story a soldier was telling his army in order to rouse them to battle against yeah. this other army. So yeah. he's he's painting them as these monstrous people because he wants them to kill them. Yeah, I also feel like a lot of the times, like uh, especially with stuff like that and stuff, it's like people try to take things a little bit too literally. And I feel like a lot of the times, like the best way to tell a story is not literally I was like it's when you ah, excuse me when you're filtering it through someone else's like perspective or someone else's point of view and like they're trying to like convey the big emotions the big like moments like this it's better to not have it be so literal oh yeah and that's why i call this movie an opera because it is so much just like excessively over the top 
Yeah, and it's it's, it's in that sense it is so big, not for really any reason other than to just be a an experience. Yeah. yeah. I really sure. wish I had seen this in the movies, but 2015 <laughs> me was a fucking fool and <laughs> didn't go see it. <laughs> boo, past Jackie, boo. boo. <laughs> uh, uh, they might, you might have a chance still. I feel like it's something that it's like a, oh, we're going to have a George Miller fest. We're going to show yeah. all these movies at IMAX or something. I um, hope they do. I will apparently, go Apparently, they're going to make another one. There's been another one announced. Yeah. yeah, Tom Hardy signed up for like three more Mad Max movies. Damn. And then after this did very well, uh, apparently George Miller started pushing real hard to do a movie that is Furiosa as well. Yes. Oh, yeah, I did hear that. Yeah. Oh, I'd love that. That's great. So, uh, my last bit of trivia uh, I will throw to you uh, is more of a question, uh, more like a quiz, before I actually <laughs> no. tell you what it is. Uh, it's not, it's just, it's just guessing. But um, can you name the three big name actors that George Miller apparently either approached or was approached by for playing Max after uh, Mel Gibson turned it down? I know one was Jeremy Renner. Yes. I know that. I don't he's know. He's a big name actor? He well, is now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's only a Hawkeye, though. Leave Jeremy kinda... Renner alone. He was in an, a, a film that was best picture, okay? He's uh, kind of a butt, too, though, so. Oh, my uh, God. You are the, you are not the first person I've heard refer to him as a butt. <laughs> Most butt. It's because I just finished watching Selfie, and they keep saying most butt as, like, an insult to people. Oh, jeez. Um... <laughs> I'm going to just say either a Brad Pitt or Leonardo DiCaprio type. Uh, a type or one of them? One of them. Okay. Or, or, or someone similar to them. I feel like Heath Ledger would have been in the running for this had he not passed a while back. He was one, yes. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Lita. Uh, um, man, I'm trying to think of like other... Here's the funny Dudes thing. like this. Yet again, the the term big name actor is getting very well um, skew, like, skewed. What about Edward Norton? No. Oh, no. It was no, Channing no. Tatum. Oh, shit. <laughs> honestly, I mean, though, I Honestly, I can see that. I can see that. He seems like a really good person. Oh, like, no, as yeah. As far as I know. Apparently, Channing Tatum's a great guy. I could just... I, I, I mean, for the fact that... I'm fairly certain Max has about nine lines in the entire movie. Yeah. He probably could have done it. See, well, the, the question thing about Channing Tatum is he is an amazing comedic actor. Like, that yeah. is where he needs to be. He is fucking hilarious. Him as, like, the strong, silent hero type, I don't believe it as much. Yeah, the, the whole question with that is how much he would be able to convey with, like, no words. Yeah. I'm not entirely... I mean, I'm sure he would have done an okay job. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure he would have done the best job. Which maybe. seems to be the reason as to why, like, every director puts Tom Hardy in at least some kind of a mask. <laughs> because they're like, well, he just emotes so much with his eyes and his eyebrows. I'm like, well, fucking let him talk! Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> and he's always, like, changing his voice or, or barely speaking or yeah. talking really softly. Yeah, he he is a workhorse when it comes to things like accents and voice work and stuff like that. 
Like yeah. when they did um the Revenant, he apparently met up with some historian because he wanted to make sure that the accent for his character was not only true to the region but to the time period. Nice. What dedication? That's insane. That's great. <laughs> and then the only person anyone talked about was Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, that yeah, sucks. Right? That sucks, man. Because Tom Hardy puts all this work into sounding like he's from the era, and all DiCaprio had to do was seethe and cry and eat a dead deer or some shit. He, like, screams and cries a lot now in yes. movies, doesn't he? Uh, was he one well, of the ones that was, that was up for this? I don't think we actually said I, he, the third one. I think he... No, he was not. It was it was uh, yeah, Renner, really... Heath Ledger, and Channing Tatum. Oh, see, oh, those sorry, guys I, I can see. Already. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio already I couldn't I couldn't see in this role. No, no, no. I mean, I'm sure if someone gave it to him, he would do a fine enough I think it's, job. I think it's like... legitimately because it's not enough talking. DiCaprio, yeah. Yeah. DiCaprio apparently, as far as I can tell, will not take a role where he is not talking all the goddamn time. Yeah, he likes to <laughs> except, I was going to say, except for The Revenant, and that's the one they gave him an Oscar for, because you could just see him trying so hard to get an Oscar. I uh, I don't like him for several reasons, but uh, after like Django Unchained, and the fact that he actually like cut himself and rubbed his actual blood. That was just a That r- is like illegal? No, no, <laughs> and that so was so fucked up. Wasn't that just like It was an accident. A, yeah, it wasn't like he, he I thought that he like specifically did it. No, on no, purpose. no. He no. slammed his fist on a table and accidentally hit a glass yeah. which cut yeah, him. Yeah, and also he didn't actually no. rub his blood on her face. I know that, I know that it was an accident that he cut himself. I just thought he oh, no. rubbed the blood. When on her when on he purpose. did the blood on her face that was a different take where it was fake. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't. Oh, okay. Yeah, he didn't actually do that. <laughs> okay, all right. That would have been. Well, yeah, so, I, remember, no, no, no. I remember reading okay. that as well, and like I, had, I like looked. I'm like, please don't let this have actually. Tar- yeah. I'm gonna say, Tarantino <laughs> so, will choke Uma Thurman for a shot, but he won't let you rub blood oh. on uh, Kerry Washington. Yeah, oh. yeah. I, I think that something that I saw had like twisted the two of those together like yeah no I know exactly what you're talking about because I remember yeah. seeing that as well yeah. all right so I feel a little bit better about him now yeah just like I just remember like for a while all these actors there was all kinds of stuff about them like doing weird shit with their bodily fluids like Jared Leto sending supposedly used condoms to cast members on well, Suicide Squad and I'm like Jared Leto fu-? is a fucking lunatic so uh, yeah I was, I was like, gonna say his Suicide Squad stories are like the tip of the goddamn iceberg for that man uh, it's upsetting because I liked his band yeah, yeah 30 no. Seconds to Mars was good my friend Beth had such a crush on him in middle school <laughs> That's why remember... Well, what about now? <laughs> it's why I always now? I always find it funny because I find myself hilarious uh, <laughs> that I refer to Jake Gyllenhaal as the acceptable Jared Leto. <laughs> so true. So true. <laughs> it is. I always forget about him, but so since good. so since we're away from the movie, are we are we gonna call it done? <laughs> are we gonna are we gonna cut it here? <laughs> Uh, the metal in Mad Max was really awesome, and the fire guitar is something that should be in every single movie from now to the end of time. Even when it doesn't make any sense. Imagine fire guitar and moonlight. Yeah. <laughs> but he'd be, like, so off true. in the distance on an island, like, as they're looking out into the ocean. <laughs> During the hand jobs, you're just some guy just shredding guitar. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, but we uh, love it anyway. Yeah. I think that all the Avengers movies would be improved. Star Wars would be improved. Uh, Star Trek. 
It's like a stormtrooper in the background, just kind of like shredding guitar in the background while like. (laughs) I will say the soundtrack to this movie has figured into my running mix more than once. Oh yeah. Yeah, the soundtrack is great, and I haven't put it on my running mix, and that's a really good suggestion. I have some of the Doom soundtrack on there. Oh my god, me too. The the game, the the new game. game, so fucking good. Ugh. Uh, it, is, so it is such such classic early 2000s new metal. It's not even funny. <laughs> BFG Division is just like, that's my sprinting song, man. Nice. Ugh. I remember the first time I heard that soundtrack, it was uh, the song, I think it was Rip and Tear is what it's oh, called. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, this guy really liked Slipknot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, A+. Plus. Uh but yeah, Jackie, you liked this, right? You loved it. I I did. Though, like I said in the beginning, like it was because I had such high expectations. Like at the beginning, I was like, "Oh, this is good," but like I'm not getting into it. But then I was getting really into it. So, I, yeah, yeah, I really yeah. liked it. I always get really anxious when I introduce somebody to this movie. Yeah. Because I talk it up so much that I'm like, yeah. "Oh my god, if they don't really fucking love it, they're gonna think I am insane." Yeah, that's the whole <laughs> thing too. I feel like the whole world just like hyped up this movie for me so much, mm-hmm. but it did ultimately wind up meeting my expectations i would say so yeah i really that's good and i definitely recommend it to anyone to watch because even just for like the production design and the world building alone it just it's so well done so yeah watch it if you haven't already and you've been stupid like me (laughs) (laughs) awesome well, I'm really glad that you liked it, and this has been, like, a fun switcheroo, yeah, getting you I'm, out of your I'm, comfort zone. Yeah, I'm so uncomfortable. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, like, kind of knowledgeable about something for once, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, everyone, now that we've kind of, like, gone into the swing of things more, we've started a Twitter page, which you mm-hmm. should follow. It's, uh... YWT podcast and um, we won't just be posting the episodes there we'll also be posting like other fun stuff that has to do with whatever the film is that we've been doing over the past two weeks and um, we also would love it if you could rate and review us on iTunes because yes. no one really has yet I don't think so no, you should do it <laughs> because we don't have enough viewers readers listeners we do but whatever um, they, just they, no one yeah. no one has I feel like <laughs> I've literally never reviewed. I've never done podcast. it either, unless I've been asked to. So, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, please do it so we can at least have a rating. You know what yeah. I mean? Just to have it, you some know? sort of credibility. Yeah. This has been why haven't you watched that? I'm Lita. I'm Jackie, and thank you to Matt for guesting again. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.